Welcome to Made by Me, a podcast about entrepreneurship, self-discovery, manifestation, and magic. I'm Kaliska Sweetwater, a born and raised witch and owner of Polaris Jewelry. Today, I want to talk about the 10 things I think you should know if you are starting your own business or considering working for yourself. Um, I am, just before I get into it, I am a product-based business owner, and I also have never raised capital or taken on venture debt or anything of that regards, so several of these points won't be applicable to that type of business. Um, I do have pretty strong feelings on that topic. I actually think that the healthiest way to have a business is to do it just all with cash, by which I mean don't go into debt for your business, um, just just go as you can. And I think that that's the best way to tell if a business is something that is real and will really work or if it's something that just isn't sustainable. And I think it's the safest and most responsible way to... Um, begin. I think it's okay to take on debt if you really are like, oh wow, my business is growing and I want to like do X, Y, and Z and I just don't have the cash on hand. But I think that if you're just starting out and you have this great idea, the best way to figure out if it's real and if it's going to work is to just start with what you have and then put all the money that you're able to make back into it. Um, It's called bootstrapping and I think it's the only way that we should be doing business. But it's there's a huge shift right now that's happening where a lot of companies are worth a lot of money, but they don't actually make any money. It's a very strange thing. Um, uh, it's probably a different topic that I could get into on a different day. Um, but yeah, I don't I don't think it's great. Um, and you end up kind of not owning the thing that you built. If you take on a lot of debt, you end up just basically being in the same position that you would be if you were an employee where you have to answer to other people, you're not in control of your decision making, and you have to check in with other people. It's just like a completely different creature. So all that being said, let me jump into these. Okay, number one, register as an LLC. This is super simple. You just go to your state's government website, Um, search it in. It'll probably take you 10 minutes to fill out the paperwork. It's usually about $100 a year. And yeah, you don't need to get lawyers involved. It's very simple. Okay, number two, you won't make money right away or possibly for a while. This one's really important to know because I think that a lot of people think like, oh, I have this amazing business. This is my business plan and this is what I could generate. And it takes a long time to get customers and get a stable base that can actually support you, even if you have the best idea in the world. If you put yourself in a position where you're relying on that, you're going to make panic decisions and you're not going to be able to um, hack it. You're not going to be able to live life and have this genius idea work out. So just really know that it takes a long time to start making a profit and that's fine and that's a part of it and don't freak out if that happens to you. Um, but just know it and plan in advance. Okay, number three, every business has an annual cycle. So this is kind of like the rhythm throughout the year, right? So like for me, I make jewelry, the bulk of my sales go in the end of the year, the last quarter. Um, Because I sell wholesale, a lot of stores get like a busy season that time, so they place the bigger orders 
around then. And then usually after the holidays, people still have some jewelry left over. They don't reorder until maybe February. Um, and that's just how it works for me. It took me several years to notice the rhythms of my business. And the reasons that it's really important is because like, just like everything else, you're going to need to have like a relationship with it in that way where it's like, okay, I know that I'm going to be really busy the last quarter of the year. So I need to do all the stuff that I'm not going to have time to do then in my slow season in January, February. So that's when I do most of my design work. That's when I do most of my like annual planning. That's when I do all of this kind of like higher level working on the business, right? So like there are times in your season where you're going to be working on the business and there are times in your in your year where you're going to be working in the business. So the difference between the two are when you're working on the business, you're working on structural stuff, you're working on ideas, brainstorming, kind of this fun um, upper level like overarching visioning work. When you're working in your business, that means you're filling orders, you are making jewelry, you are answering emails, you're in it, you're like a cog in the machine. And both of these are absolutely essential and equally valuable, but there are times for each, right? So my mom always said, like, there are times when you have lots of time and there are times when you have money, you know? So like when you have this, you have, you do these things. When you have this, you do these things. And that's definitely the same with this, where it's like, it's not bad to have a slow season, but you should use that slow season to do the things, like take it as an opportunity to do the things that you wouldn't have time for when you're like freaking out, filling all these orders, you know, you haven't slept in days, like just really um, understand the cycles of your business and really watch that and figure out how you can use each different cycle as an opportunity and how to use your slow season to prep for your busy season, um, I think is really important to do. And the year in business is organized in quarters. So like first quarter, second quarter, third quarter, fourth quarter. And so I have started planning out every like three months what happens this three months and then I like reassess and do the next three months um, in addition to having like an annual plan and in addition to having my weekly and daily lists. So I definitely make a lot of lists and uh, it brings me joy, but you don't have to do it that way. Um, But yeah, just keep an eye on when things are happening and notice the patterns over time because that will be reliable and you'll be able to get more control over time as you understand that better. Okay, number four, make sure you're able to make a profit. So this kind of goes back to what I was saying at the top of the show where um, it's becoming more of a conversation lately where people are talking about like profit first. And I think that that's really great and important because there are so many components that go into making a profit that we don't really think about when we just have this great idea and we're like, oh, well, I can make this piece of jewelry for $8, so I could should charge, you know, $16. And it's like, okay, but you have to be able to do wholesale. So then you're going to make a $0. And then to pack up that wholesale order is going to cost this much for the biodegradable Ziploc bags, this much for the labels, this much for the printer paper, this much for the studio rent, this much for 
um, X, Y, and Z. And then basically you're paying to run this business. And you just really do have to be honest with yourself and break it down and charge what you really, what it really costs. And it's difficult in the handmade industry because it, it always costs more than what the market standard is in our current ecosystem, right? So like I am never going to be able to sell like an eight pack of earrings for $3 like they do at H&M. And I feel fine about that, but it definitely impacted my profit in the beginning because when I started my business, I was 19 and all of my friends shopped at H&M and I definitely kind of felt self-conscious about the fact that like my jewelry costs a lot more. And so I wasn't really making a profit for a while because of my mindset and my like comparative perception. So you really have to like set that aside and charge what it actually costs you to run the business because it's really easy to forget like four or five in your mind insignificant costs and those really add up and then you're like, what happened? How did I make so much um, uh, money overall, like make so much gross and I netted zero? You know, I made no profit at the end of the year. Like how did that occur? And it it really is just like every little single item. You just have to really be honest and price it in. Um, so make sure you're able to make a profit. Another aspect of this that you should consider is um, with your business, are you making something that is perishable? Is your inventory perishable? I would highly recommend against any perishable business idea. Um, one of my first business ideas was to do like a cupcake in a jar. And I'm so grateful that I did not follow through with that because it would have been a nightmare. Cupcakes don't last the way that jewelry does. And I think that it's really important to have inventory that you can have sit on a shelf for six months because especially in the handmade industry, for me at least, I need to be able to prep in advance so that when a rush comes, I can pull items from inventory and I don't have to um, completely panic in the moment because I can't physically make all of those pieces. And this is something that I still struggle with because it is hard to anticipate like which pieces I need to have more of and less of. But if I was making cupcakes, it's something that I couldn't even consider. All right. Um, I think I also want to talk about product weight. Um, For me, I think another aspect that I really lucked into with jewelry is the fact that it's extremely light and my shipping costs are pretty low. Um, I don't have, I never ship anything that's more than one pound. Even if I have a wholesale order, it never breaks that one pound mark. And that means that my shipping is affordable and I can offer free shipping on my website, which is huge. People don't like to pay for shipping, especially if it's something heavy. I always go, or previously before COVID, I would go to the craft shows and I always felt so like, oh my gosh, thank my lucky stars because I would see the people who sold the candles and the ceramics lugging in these huge shelves and these huge, huge boxes full of heavy, heavy inventory. They'd like have the dolly. They'd have all the equipment. They usually have like a couple of friends helping them out. And they would take so long to load in and load out. And honestly, they probably can't travel in the same way that I'm able to with my business. Because for me, because I make jewelry, everything for an entire craft show I need fits in one suitcase and one backpack. And I can do it all myself. I can carry it anywhere in the country. I can take it on an airplane by myself. 
It is never a stopping block for me, but if my inventory was heavy and fragile to that degree, like jewelry is fragile, but I can bubble wrap it and it's still like, what, like one foot by one foot altogether. So it's like, it just is such um, an important factor to consider, especially if you're selling, um, I was going to say, especially if you're selling online, but like that's not even what it is. Like if you're selling at all, you have to consider it. Cause even if you're selling wholesale, that's huge shipping to the wholesaler and then they pay that. So that's going to be a stopping point potentially for them. And then if you sell direct to consumer, that's still going to be a shipping cost that either the customer has to pay and they may not want to do that or that you have to take on and that's going to cut into your profit margin. So if you do do that, um, you should factor that into your pricing and try and decide like how you want to approach that. Like maybe you do want to price in the shipping and offer free shipping because emotionally like customers just are more comfortable with that. Um, I mean, I, I also am honestly that way where it's like if something is $8 and then I have to pay $3 shipping, I'm like less happy about it than if something just costs, you know, the $11. Um so it's just uh, the $11 and then free shipping. So it's just like um, really important to consider and factor in and make, make, it, make it a decision. And um, yeah, just do it on purpose. Um, okay, number five. If you don't have fun, you won't make it. This one is just my strong opinion. I have been in business for eight and a half years now, and I know for a fact that I wouldn't be in that situation if I hadn't just had so much fun and thought it was such kind of a miracle to like see it unfold in front of me. Like every opportunity that happened kind of blew my mind. And I think if I hadn't had that joy and satisfaction along the way, I never would have made it through the bumps in the road, like those stressful chapters and like basically every holiday season until this year with COVID, I got like a finally a a real holiday vacation for the first time and I didn't have a mental breakdown. But most holiday seasons, I would have at least one day where I just would like completely break down, start sobbing, be like, oh my gosh, like I'm never going to have a normal holiday again. Like I always am just going to be working through all of it, completely stressed out, not able to contribute anything to these like food holidays. I'm always just going to be showing up frazzled and like thinking about all the stuff I have to do and ba da 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 da. And like I make it through that because my life overall, I find a lot of joy in it. But if you're not finding pleasure throughout, um, you probably should just have a day job. So it's just like it's it's a very specific life, you know, and you have to be honest with yourself if that's worth it to you and if that's something that you want you know like I think that there is this fantasy of what it is to work for yourself and in a lot of aspects it's very accurate I do get to decide like oh maybe I'll take this afternoon off because my friend wants to hang out I don't have to check with anybody but I know that I have to work you know through the weekend if I make that choice and like for me I love that that's worth it for me and also like because I'm such a stubborn person and I have like a very strong idea of what's right and wrong it's a lot healthier for me to be in control of all of the moral decisions that I'm making throughout the day and I don't have to compromise my values like for me that's the number one reason that I choose to work for myself um working for someone else just was not 
it was not bringing me joy and I saw people who were working for their weekends and I didn't ever want to be that person. And I know there are people who work for other people who don't work for their weekends. They love what they do. Um, so if that's you, that's amazing. But I think it's important to decide what your values are and um, if it's worth it to you because it is difficult and you do need to celebrate the little things along the way and like intentionally like do it on purpose no one's going to pat you on the back except for you so you have to take the time and do that okay number six plan to pay your taxes all at once so this is one that recently came up when I was talking to my friend on the phone about she has a clothing um business kd designs you should check it out um, and she was saying like, oh yeah, um, some people are really surprised that they have to like pay taxes. And I was like, yeah, you know, like I experienced that too. When I first started, I didn't realize that like I would owe so much all at once. And it really is that factor of like, when you work for someone else, they just pull that money out as you go and you never see it. You never hold it in your hand and can just spend it. And that's a real habit shift when you work for yourself because you just get that money all at once and then you don't think about taxes or I didn't think about taxes until they came due. And then you have to pay all of that tax for the whole year cumulatively all in one chunk. And the smart thing to do is to figure out what that percentage is and set it aside as you go. This is not actually how I do it. Um, what works for me is that I spend the money as I go and then because I know that my busy season is at the end of the year, I put all the money into back stock and inventory and building that up and then um, from the profit that I make in November, December, I set that whole chunk aside for my taxes at that point. Um, there's no right or wrong way to do it, but you definitely need to be aware that that's how it works and um, decide how you want to approach it. Okay, number seven. Oh, I guess I kind of already got into this one. Um, figure out what you want from life. Yeah, this is definitely just kind of reiterating what I said before. Um, but you just really need to be honest with yourself and figure out, am I wanting to get into business because I think it's going to be fun and glamorous? Am I getting into business because I want to make a lot of money? Because, you know, that's probably not going to happen. Um, am I getting into business because it's going to make me feel really cool? Am I getting into business because I really love this hobby and I want to do it full time? That's another bad reason because no matter what you love doing, once it's your job, it's no longer your hobby. You're going to have to find a new hobby. I can speak from experience with that one. It is very difficult once your hobby becomes your job and your stress is connected to your stress relief it's hard. I have yet to figure out what my new hobby is. And, um, I think it's just walking. Like I love to walk, but it's like, it's, it's not going to feel like your hobby once your livelihood depends on it. And it's, it's important to be honest about that. And it's important to be honest about what you're doing it for, because right now in the pre starting phase, it is a fantasy, right? And fantasy is always better than reality. Once you achieve your fantasy, it will lose all of its luster, all of its texture will appear, all of these bumps in the road will come up, and you have to be in it for the right reasons to have a life that you want. You know, you have to be honest and decide what your true motivation for starting this business is. 
and if that's what you want from life. Um, what season are you in in life? Can you take these risks? Do you want to take these risks? Would you rather have security? You know, you don't have security when you work for yourself. There is no, you know, there, there's no one to catch you if you fall. Um, and I don't mind that. It's stressful at times, but I, I can handle it. Um, but it's not for everybody. And I think that it's glamorized and I think that that's fine, but it's not really so glamorous up close. It's definitely my fantasy life, but it's not an objective fantasy life. It's a subjective fantasy life. So, yeah. Okay, number eight. Get established before you leave your current job. This kind of goes back to some other points that I made where it's just like you're not going to make money for a long time. It's going to take a long time to develop your customer base. Customer acquisition is a long game, and you're going to have a more pleasant experience if you're not stressed out from the jump. Um, I had other jobs. I had multiple other jobs until I had um, started my business for, I think, four and a half years, and maybe I should have stayed at those jobs longer, honestly. Like, I think the way that I did it was okay. When I left, I had, like, a very panic push and it did grow my business really quickly at that moment but I think that um if I hadn't have had those four and a half years to like figure out the rhythms of my business figure out um the production get my studio set up get to a point where all the money that I needed to make and put back in the business to get everything that I needed to run the business had happened I think that I think that that's really important to do and you just need to be, I don't know, it's really helpful to be starting out and have your rent covered, have all your bills taken care of, and have the business just be a project that you can like focus on with this vision of what it will be, as opposed to like with this like penny-pinching panic mentality. Um, I do know a lot of people like save up a lot of money and then they go into it, and um, I haven't had that experience, so I don't know what that would be like, but I really do think that you should keep your job until you're making enough from your business that it'll pay your bills or slash and you have to choose between one or the other. Um, If you get so busy that you can't do both, that's the best sign. That's the time when you should take the jump. But don't quit your job before you start the new thing because it doesn't happen overnight. I've had a lot of people ask me my advice. Um, about like starting a business and the one advice that I always give to people face to face is like start now because it takes a long time to acquire customers it takes a long time to get noticed it takes a long time to build an email list so you need to start sometimes even before anything else is done get your website up get your Instagram hands all locked down start posting start figuring that out because it's going to take longer than you think and this whole idea of how I have to have it perfect before I start is so backwards because no one's going to be looking at you if you wait until you have it perfect no one's going to witness that perfection unless you've already been acquiring customers and putting yourself out there Okay, number nine, know the different sales terms. Okay, this is something I just wanted to break down for you because it's something that's just like in my brain as like a given that people know all this stuff, but I do still encounter business people 
um, or pre-COVID, I would encounter business people all the time who would like not know which which um, way their business operated. So I just thought I'd run through them kind of quickly. And these four terms are wholesale, retail, consignment, and drop shipping. So wholesale we kind of went over, but it's basically where like I as a jeweler will sell um, like a minimum order of like, I think my minimum is like $300 for a reorder um, to a store and then they resell at um, a markup. So I will sell it to them at half price, half price of retail, and then they will take that margin. They will um, price it up to the retail price and sell it direct to consumer in their store. This is the bulk of my sales. Maybe like 90% of my sales come from wholesale and I really enjoy it. Um, I started this way because it's the business that I understood and um, it, I also was really starting my business from this place of like, I just want to make jewelry. Just give me a big order. Tell me what to make and I'll make it and I don't care if I make any money. And over time, my motives have shifted. And with COVID, I definitely had to shift and pivot to more online sales, which has been amazing, honestly. Like, I'm I'm really looking at it as a blessing at this point. Um, but it was a huge learning curve for me because I really was like, just like, wholesale is what I know. Wholesale is what I really, really know. And so for wholesale, you're going to need to have a line sheet. I have never, ever, ever in my life had a physical line sheet. What I have is a password protected page on my website um, that has the product images, wholesale price, um, retail price, MSRP is what you're going to put for that, manufacturer suggested retail price, a SKU, which is a product item number. So for my items, um, my SKU is basically the first two letters are the um, material, so GF or SS, gold filled or sterling silver. And then I'll put different letters depending on the name of the item, right? So like gold filled flat top ring is GFFTR. So you just make it up, something that you can recognize and remember. And then um, when I pack the wholesale order, um, I print out labels that have the SKU and the price, and I put them on the um, biodegradable Ziploc bags with each piece in it. And then I pack those all up in a box and send that to the wholesaler with the invoice and the ear cards and necklace tags and all of that. So that's how I do the wholesale aspect. And that's kind of what you need to know for that. But I think the most important thing that everybody needs to know is that markup. So if you are selling a product, you need to know about this from day one. And in my opinion, you need to price everything as if you will someday do wholesale, even if you have no intention to, because if the day comes where you want to sell to a store and you have to double all of your prices, your customers are going to be bummed and you're going to be bummed and it's not going to be good. And, you know, if you price it for wholesale and you never end up taking that route, you get to keep all that margin and that's amazing too, you know? So just figure out what you would charge if you weren't doing wholesale and just double it basically. And if you get freaked out, it's okay. You can like, you know, work through that, do your pricing, figure out what really makes sense to you. I think I basically always undercharge and I it's really something that I work on because I do need to be making more money if I want to keep doing this long term and it's hard. I get it. It's it's really difficult 
um, to charge what things actually cost because our society is not set up that way. But if we are trying to change that, it's something we need to work through. But I get it. It's a mental block. I'm right there with you. Okay, retail. That's just direct to customer. That's just selling you directly to the person who buys it. Um, That can be in person at trunk shows and events. That can be through your website. And that's just just a normal um, full price transaction. Consignment is where it's basically like wholesale. Like you can pack up all your stuff the same way you do for wholesale. um, But you give it to a store. They try and sell it. You don't get paid until it sells. So you'll sell, you'll give them like a big batch of jewelry and then usually they cut you a check once a month for what sold that month and you get usually a slightly better margin than with wholesale. Usually you get like 60%, but a lot of stores will give still 50%, same as retail or same as um wholesale, excuse me. Um, and this is something that really helped me grow when I was first starting out because it did expose me. Like some of the stores that I was consigning in, um, shop owners would come in and discover my brand there and then place wholesale orders. And so for me, I definitely attribute a lot of my success today to making that decision. But as I got busier, it, it was the thing that had to be dropped first because it's really difficult once you have kind of a busier business to keep track of like, are they paying me? Do they have inventory that they sold and they didn't pay for? Do they still have inventory there? Do I need to, like, you have to go into the stores and like polish the jewelry sometimes. You have to make sure that it's being displayed correctly because like you're kind of still responsible, you know? Like when a wholesaler orders from you, they are highly incentivized to sell that jewelry because they already paid for it. Money's out the door. With consignment, there's no risk to them. So a lot of times it's, like a less ideal situation um, and it can become stressful. Um, You do sometimes have to track down money in a way that I've never experienced with wholesale. Oh, another thing with wholesale, a lot of people have had problems with like retailers not paying them. I have never had a problem because I basically require payment before I ship the order and I would suggest that you do that. Um, You can switch to net 30 or net 60 terms later once you establish a relationship and you have decided that they're trustworthy and will pay you. Um, And net 30 and net 60 terms um, are basically just like net 30 is like they pay you 30 days from when the order ships. Net 60, same thing. They pay you 60 days from when the order ships. And um, that's also great, but I wouldn't recommend doing it until you know that the account is trustworthy, respects you, and will pay you on time. Or just pay you at all. I don't mind late payment um, most of the time, to be honest. Like, if it's, a, if it's a great account, I, like, never hold a resentment. But, um, yeah, I definitely um, think that that's why I've never had these issues that other um, people sometimes have where they don't get paid. And I think that that's why. Okay, and the last term is drop shipping. So drop shipping is the weirdest one by far. It's basically where an on the online retailer will uh, like offer to to um, feature your designs, and so basically they put your listing up as if they 
have it in their store or whatever, but they don't. You'll send them sometimes samples so they can do promotion and take product images and stuff and like make it cute and try and like sell it. And that's kind of nice. Um, because then you don't have to like do all that. And it's nice to have someone else. Cause I do all my products, um, photography at this point, And it's nice to have like extra pictures and stuff. Um, but basically they have the listing on their website as if it's their product, a customer orders from their website, they will send the invoice to you and then you ship directly to the customer. So the store, the online store, never actually holds that order. They never see it, they never touch it, they never breathe on it, it never crosses their hands, but the transaction does. So they take half the money or usually it's like consignment where you'll get like a slightly better cut. Um, But usually it's around, you'll get like 50 to 60%. I wouldn't take less than retail, or excuse me, I wouldn't take less than 50% um, because it is actually my least profitable channel because you're basically giving the wholesale margin without giving the wholesale getting the wholesale minimum so you're doing all the work as if it was an online order where you kept all the margin but you don't get to keep all the margin so your overhead is more because you have to get a jewelry box involved you have to get like all your note card and all your cute little stuff in there um but you still are only making wholesale money so it's it's interesting. I'm not against it. It is one of the streams of income that is pretty reliable for me. But, you know, uh, I didn't start doing it until really recently. And it's not um, a business model that I would base, like, the bulk of your reliable sales upon. Um, it also is the most confusing. <laughs> so a lot of people um, call it consignment, but no, it's dropshipping. They sell it. You ship it. Okay, so number 10, um, the final point of this episode, build in the structure your boss used to provide. This is the biggest hurdle I have had with being self-employed and running my own business is being my own boss because the best part of being self-employed is being your own boss and the worst part about being self-employed is being your own boss. So... It's really a delicate dance. Um, For me, I always was frustrated with myself because um, like my previous jobs were also in the jewelry industry. So I would go to work for someone else and I would crank out so many pieces. I would be so productive. I would be doing so good. And then I would clock out. I would go to my studio and I would just sit there, make a snack, listen to a podcast, smoke a little weed. I wouldn't do anything. I wouldn't do anything. And I would just be like, what's happening? I'm the same person. I'm the same exact person who just cranked out 30 rings and I cannot fill this two-piece order. Why not? And, you know, I can't really tell you why not. I think the main reason over all these years that I figured out is that I really like that little pat on the back. I really like doing a good job and having someone see it in acknowledgement. I really like exceeding people's expectations, but if it's me, if it's my expectations, I don't have that same like craving because I'm not going to get anything from it except for the fact that my business still exists and it hasn't melted to the ground, you know? 
And this whole, you know, anecdote that I gave was definitely like from the past. That's not my situation now. I've figured it out over time, but it was really, really hard. And I tried a thousand million different ways to motivate myself. And usually they would last about three, four months. And then I would go back to like, wah, wah, I don't want to do it, you know, because my hobby was my job now. And that thrill that came from it when it was like, just for joy and all my bills were paid and everything, um, it really it really changed. And I don't know if this happens for everybody, but I think that in life, if you do anything for eight and a half years, it's going to get a little bit redundant and mundane and you have to find ways to motivate yourself and stay on task. And so for me... Um, The most reliable way that I've found to fix this mental block is to look at myself as two people. I look at myself as Kaliska the boss and Kaliska the employee, right? And so um, in the past, what I would do is like the last hour of the day, I would take off my employee hat and put on my boss hat and I would say, okay, tomorrow Kaliska's coming in, Kaliska the employee, what is she going to do? What are the things in the business that if I had an employee... I would have them do and I make a list and I have it completely automized or excuse me itemized and detailed down to the utmost so I know exactly what my dream employee is going to do for me tomorrow and then I wake up and I go to work and I'm like oh this is the list my boss made for me this is what I'm going to do because it's really hard when you're your boss and your employee to wake up and be like oh my gosh what should I do What's the most important thing? So you have to kind of get that differentiation so you have that clarity because there are so many things that have to happen every day um, to run a business that like decision paralysis is really real and like inertia is really real. So like if you're in this constant moment of like, oh my gosh, I got to do this. Oh my gosh, I got to do this. You won't really do anything because you're just like, looking at all these things you have to do and you can't decide where to start because they're all really important. Um, So if you decide that in the evening when the emails have stopped coming in and you just have that mental clarity, you saw what got done today, you can assess, you see what has to get done the rest of the week, make that list, then you can wake up and you don't have to think about it and you just, you have to not think about it. Um, So that's one way that was really, really helpful for me. Um, now what I do is I make very intense lists. So I have my quarterly lists, um, one list per month that breaks up my like top level goals per week. So like if I'm launching a collection, what are the tasks that need to get done in what order to make that happen, right? Product photography, Um, now I'm doing like lookbooks, just like selfies by myself in my apartment. So like, I have to do all of that. I have to get the listings ready. I have to, um, get the wholesale SKUs lined up. I have to get my emails drafted to send, to do the launch, all of those things. I break down and decide like, what can I do each week? And then, um, that does not include, that's like working on the business, right? And then that doesn't include working in the business of like orders will come in and I'm going to need to fill them. So those are the things that I um, do like day by day, week by week. So then I have a weekly list. I have two notebooks. I have a weekly list where I have all the things that need to get done that week, wholesale orders, retail orders, online sales, all of that. And then also my like 
um, quarterly goals from that. So like if I need to take product photography, if I need to finalize a design, if I need to launch a collection, if I need to um, do a flash sale, um, all of those things. And then I have a checklist um, in a separate notebook where I have all the tasks that I do in my business, all the things that all the um, aspects of working in my business, I have them all lined up and then I have check boxes next to them that represent one hour each. And I basically just have to work 30 to 40 hours every week. So I go to my list and I decide like, okay, I need to solder for one hour. So I go and I fill orders and I solder for one hour and then I come back and I check the box. And this works really well for me. Um, it gives me the external validation that I need because at the end of the week, I can tally up all my little boxes and I can give myself a good job and I can say like, yes, I hit my goals um, and I can, I can look back on it and I can feel like I did something because when you work for yourself, there's this very like ethereal quality to your work where you're like, I worked all day. Did I do anything? What it what happened, you know? And for me, this has been very helpful for me to like visually see like, yeah, I did something. I did something today. I I really did. I didn't just, you know, like yes, I did stay in my house all day, but I I did get work done. Um and yeah, so that's definitely what has worked for me and um I'll probably do a more in-depth episode on how I schedule my life at a later point. Um, but yeah, that's kind of my overview on this topic. I really, um, I really want to encourage you that if you do have a business idea that you want to pursue, it really is possible. You really can do it. Um, but I just want you to have healthy expectations because I want you to succeed. I want you to have a business that thrives long-term and provides you the things that you want from life. I don't want you to get into it and feel like sad and overwhelmed. You know, that's really my intention with this podcast, not to deter you, but to give you an idea of the negative aspects that people don't really talk about um, and provide a little bit of insight on things just like, you know, minutia of the the pricing structure and stuff, I think it's just um, important to know. Um, but yeah, I, I really hope that this didn't deter you from anything, but I just want to give you an idea of what to expect because it's not all roses and sunshine, but it is really fulfilling and it is a really amazing life to have if you are honest with what you need from life and you provide it to yourself. So um I hope that you learned something from this, even if you don't decide to have a business or you never intended to have a business. I think that business is such a trip and such an interesting topic, and I hope you think so too. All right. I love you so much. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to this episode today. If you'd like to see my work, you can head over to polarisjewelry.com.